Alright, in Job chapter 27, <clears throat> we're quickly approaching uh, the climax of the book. Um, I think that uh, from here to about chapter 30, 31, uh, Job is going to uh, give a stern rebuke in these chapters to his friends. Of course, we've seen this before. Um, and then after that, uh, Job is going to cease from speaking. And uh, another man's going to pop up in chapter 31 named Elihu, and he is going to uh, give us uh, some words, uh, and then God himself is going to show up. So <clears throat> we've seen the friends that have come, and Job has suffered uh, in just about every point in his life. He's, he's uh, gotten as low as uh, pretty much any man can possibly get and then he is uh we've been seeing through all these chapters that he has also suffered uh at the hands of these friends who have come and basically repudiated his uh uh worldview in in God's uh grace God's sovereignty um all these things and then we've seen Job hold fast to his integrity uh we've seen we've seen him waver a little on a few points We've seen him. We've seen him, you know, not necessarily completely understand um, everything that was going on. He's called out to God. He's wanting to bring his his case before God. He's uh, um, he's not ready to let go of the promises that he has held on to uh, his entire life that dealt with God covering his sin uh, with. Uh, faith in the sacrifices and so <clears throat> job is going to his friends have stopped speaking now and job is going to basically chapter 27 here is a warning and it's a warning that job of course brings to his friends but it's also a warning to us as the readers um, it's a warning to those who mislead god's people or who try to um you know, even when we try to help God's people, when we do it outside of a biblical worldview, when we do it outside of a uh, proper interpretation of Scripture, um, we become a tool that draws people away from the truth rather than uh, drawing them to the truth. I, I recently read uh, about <clears throat> a young woman who, uh, I don't know her name or anything, but uh, she pretty lengthy post post where she went in depth about how the institutional churches are all bad and and you know you shouldn't have to sit and listen to a man lecture you you should just sit around and discuss uh in your living room and that's really what the church is supposed to be just sitting around having discussions about uh, about scripture you know it's kind of those what do you think this verse means what do you think this verse means uh kind of discussions um you know, that's fine and dandy if that's what you want to do, um, but I don't think that that's the biblical model for um, people who who give godly advice, who preach God's word, and who exegete God's word, because uh, the Bible says clearly, James chapter 3, that uh, the teachers will be held to a higher standard. When you, uh, I, I was, um, I was really brought this truth uh, face slapped in the face with it, so to speak. Uh, when I started, uh, when I started teaching, uh, I started teaching youth. 
Uh, I had just begun seminary, and I was, uh, you know, in process of doing that. And uh, you know, I, I I can I had a few things that were a little mixed up when I when I began. I, uh, but I had a pretty orthodox worldview. I had a pretty orthodox view of Scripture and the doctrines of the faith, and and so I, I don't believe I was teaching anything heretical. But what I did, what I did come to understand was that people will take what you say if you are uh, seem to be knowledgeable about the Bible or or speak with confidence, speak with charisma, uh, those kind of things. People will take what you say and they will make life decisions on what you say. And and not only that, when we're dealing with the Bible, we're dealing with God's Word, uh, these decisions that people make could be eternal ones. I mean, they could be eternal decisions. And that's a scary thing. And anyone who's, who's teaching, ministering, counseling, doing these things, uh, if that responsibility, if that burden, and it is a burden, is not in the forefront of their mind, uh, I, I think something's wrong. I don't think that burden should um, uh, seize us with fear in such a way that we're unable to speak. I think God has clearly revealed His will in Scripture, and that uh, that will is clear. But the Bible says to study to show yourself approved. Uh, we will see that God will hold these three friends accountable, even though you know in the beginning they were trying to help. They thought that they were doing right. They thought. <clears throat> that their worldview was correct and they were given good advice and they really wanted Job to to be better and to do better and to bounce back from all these things. God is going to chastise them and God's going to punish them and he's going to leave. Uh, we'll, we'll see this later on, but he's going to say, you know, if Job will pray for you, then I'll then I'll let you off the hook. Uh, not necessarily in that in those words, but what we're going to see is Job is going to address all three friends here and, and basically. Uh, without knowing it, they have aligned themselves with Satan. They've aligned themselves. They have been giving Job advice, telling him that he should just forsake all the promises that he's held on to. He should forsake uh, the righteousness that was his through the sacrifices that he made, which pointed to Christ's sacrifice. And they were telling him just to trash can all that stuff and to work for God's, uh, to work for God's blessing. They say, if you, if you would just turn and, and, and repent of whatever this sin is that you're hiding, you have to be hiding a sin because God wouldn't let this happen just to a, a regular person who loved him. And so you see in the very beginning of the book, Satan said, you know, when you, if you unleashed all this on Job, he'll curse you to, he'll curse you to his, uh, to your face and he will, He'll forget all about your word. He'll forget about all your promises. He'll forget about all that stuff. And these friends came and they, maybe unintentionally, they ended up being a tool that Satan used to wear down Job. But we see here that Job is going to hold fast to his integrity. He's going to maintain his integrity. Now, integrity here does not mean sinless Perfection. I think we've established that throughout the book. But what it does mean is that he will hold fast to uh, his trust in the promises that uh, that uh, God has given him, and the word uh, uh, you know that told him if you sacrifice, if you trust in me, if you repent of your sin, if you do these things, which Job had done. Uh, we saw that from the very beginning of the book. 
So the first thing that Job does is he's going to swear by the sovereign God to to utter only the truth. He says, uh, verse 1 in chapter 27 said, And Job again took up his discourse and said, As God lives, who has taken away my right, and the Almighty who has made me has made my soul bitter, as long as my breath is in me and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils, my lips will not speak falsehood, and my tongue will not utter deceit. He is... Uh, telling his friends, you know, I'm only going to speak the truth. I cannot accept what you are telling me. I cannot repudiate what God has told me before. God will never go back on his word, and I have to trust that. I can speak uh, only the truth when it comes to what God has shown me, what God has told me. And that's the same way that we find it in Scripture. Job refuses, outright refuses, to accept the fact that he has been rejected by God. And if he has been rejected by God, he wants God to come and hear his case and explain it himself because he's not taking these friends' uh, word on it because the reality is God uh, made specific promises that pointed toward the coming of Christ about sacrifice and faith. And Job has, has done what those, what uh, God has uh, commanded him to do, commanded all the Old Testament saints to do. And so he will not just arbitrarily say that God has gone back on his word. He will not say that they were right, and he refuses to trash can his integrity. Verse 5 says, Far be it from me to say that you're right. Till I die, I will not put away my integrity from me. Once again, integrity doesn't mean his perfection, his sinlessness, his own righteousness, <clears throat> but the righteousness that he has through the sacrifices and the faith that God told him would cover those sins. And in verse 6, he says, I hold fast my righteousness and will not let it go. My heart does not reproach me for any of my days. Uh, his, uh, his integrity is his faithfulness toward God. Uh, it's his faithful sacrifices. And the righteousness that, he, that he's holding on to here is the righteousness that he has been given by God through those sacrifices. If Job had his own righteousness, he would have no need to sacrifice, as we saw in the first chapter where he woke up every morning and offered sacrifices, not only for himself, but for his family, for his children, just in case they had gotten out of hand and cursed God uh, in their hearts. Even without their knowing, he offered sacrifices. Uh, to them, so his heart holds fast to what he's been given, and then in, in, in verse seven, we're going to see him change uh, his tune just a little, and he's going to start calling for justice against these friends who've been accusing him for all these chapters. Uh, he's going to pray for 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 judgment against them. Verse seven says, "Let my enemy be as the wicked, and let him who rises up against me be as the unrighteous." For what is the hope of the godless when God cuts him off, when God takes away his life? Who are the uh, the wicked that he's talking about? Who is his enemy? Who is the one that has risen up against him? Well, the only people in this story that are coming against Job are his his three friends that showed up to comfort him. And we've seen from the beginning of the story, they started out very confident in their worldview. They started out, you know, ready to counsel him, ready to uh, uh, to 
to, to help him, to tell him what he needs to do. And then as Job's worldview collided with theirs, the, the interchange has gotten more and more hostile. It's gotten more and more antagonistic until we get to this point where now, it, you know, I can picture them just screaming at each other. I can picture them as, as uh, Job saying that they're rising up against, uh, rising up against him. Uh, he knows that when God cuts a man off, there's no hope for him. So he's praying that God would would cut these men off, cut these off that have risen up against him. Um, Job is praying. It's it's what's called an imprecatory prayer. We see these sometimes in the Psalms, and it it seems to be pointed directly at the friends who've been giving him all this advice. An imprecatory prayer is a prayer that. Um, it calls for the destruction of one's enemies. It calls for the destruction of the wicked. You see these, they're, they're sometimes called imprecatory psalms where uh, David or, or uh, Solomon or Asaph or whoever's writing the psalm will say, you know, God let their teeth be shattered upon the rock or, or, or something like that. He, he's praying for the wicked to, to be destroyed. And, and it seems like here in Job, he's pointing that to... Uh, his accusers. So, in, in verse nine and ten, Job gives him a gives his accusers a warning, and this warning is coming in the in the guise of you know when you when you uh, when when you set yourself up against God, even inadvertently. The I don't I'm not I don't believe these friends have come, you know, rubbing their hands together saying, we're going to give Job bad advice. We're going to pull him away from his God. I think they genuinely believe the worldview they're espousing. They genuinely believe that uh, in this life, if you do good, you get good. And when you don't, when you do evil, then evil happens to you. And God doesn't allow good to happen to evil people and he doesn't allow evil to happen to good people and of course we know that's not true but i think that they generally believe that and so job warns his accusers in verse 9 he says he was talking about these wicked whom god cuts off it says will god hear his cry when distresses come upon him will he take delight in the almighty will he call upon god at all times uh, Job, he's intimating that God, God won't hear the godless when he's cut off. When God cuts you off, when God cuts a, a man off, uh, his prayers are not no longer heard. Now, we have to be careful here. We're not saying that uh, we're not uh, saying that God uh, is up in heaven and somebody's praying, "God, please help me." And God's going, "Nope, I'm not listening to you." Uh, when God cuts a man off, uh, the way that that looks in his life is that he doesn't want God. Let me explain that. In Romans chapter 1, uh, we see the picture of sinners who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They exchanged uh, the worship of God to worship idols. And God turned them over to what they desired. In Romans 1, three times it says they exchanged God for something else, and God gave them what they wanted and turned them over. Many people have come to me and say, you know, I just believe that I have maybe committed the unpardonable sin, and I'm worried that God just won't forgive me. And I, I can always tell them, if you're worried about the fact that you've committed the unpardonable sin, it's proof positive that you haven't committed the unpardonable sin, because the ones who God has turned over, the ones who God 
uh, turns over to what the Bible calls a reprobate mind, the ones who God takes his hands off of and just lets them go out into their sin, they don't want a relationship with God. They don't care about God. When you mention God and you talk about God, they don't want to listen to it. They don't want to hear it. They could care less about it. So that is the evidence that God has turned somebody over when they don't desire him God never turns away people who desire him. If you have a desire and a love for God in your heart, that's because God has gifted you with that. God has given that to you. And it's a it's an outworking of of his grace, his grace in your life. You've heard the saying, there but by the grace of God go I. Well, it's really true. When you see the, the enemies of God, which we all were before we came to know Christ, uh, when you see the enemies of God disparaging him and living any way they want and you know, uh, denying that uh, anyone can tell them, uh, including Scripture, can tell them how they're going to live their life. Um, we pray for those, and we pray that they would be converted. But uh, when when God turns someone over, that's what they look like. It's not that somebody's praying, oh, God, please help me, and God's like, nope, I've turned you over. Uh, that's not the case. The evidence of God turning someone over is that they don't desire him. They don't want him. Uh, Job here, he asks whether the godless will even attempt to cry to God. And that's what we've been talking about. When he's cut off, uh, you know, and things are turning toward judgment, Job's he's warning his friends, uh, you, you better be careful about the worldview that you grab hold of, the belief system that you are... Uh, that you're investing yourself in. Because if it's idolatry, if it's idolatry in your mind, you don't want God to turn you over. You don't want God to uh, to, to let you go off into what, you know whatever kind of idolatry you're, you're going off into. And when you think of idolatry, oftentimes you think of bowing down before some gold statue or, 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 or material possessions or something like that. But more often than not, most idolatry, especially in you know uh, 21st century modern Americans, most idolatry happens in the mind. Uh, they will invent a god that... Uh, suits their desires. Uh, now, they'll call him the God of the Bible. They'll call him Jesus. But their Jesus will love the sin that they love to do. They will excuse, He will excuse the sin that they are <clears throat> enjoying. And, and that is idolatry. Job, Job asks whether the godless will even attempt uh, to cry to God when he's cut off and, and things are turning toward judgment. Uh, he's warned his friends that you know they're going to be the ones cut off. He's warned his friends that they'll be the ones who'll be crying to God for mercy if they keep misrepresenting God, if they keep teaching false doctrine about God. Uh, the consequences of those things are are severe. I'd hate to stand before God um, and have Him tell me that uh, I misrepresented Him. I led people astray. Um, that frightens me. <laughs> beyond all beliefs and that's why we have this infallible rule of faith which is the scriptures that tell us these things so job is basically in this chapter giving his friends a warning he's giving a warning to all those who would mistreat or misinform or lead astray uh, god's people um, he he in the next section he's going to instruct his friends uh, about god and he's going to instruct them about those who oppress God's people. Verses 11 and 12, he, Job resolving to teach his friends about God. He says, I will teach you 
concerning the hand of God. What is with what is with the Almighty I will not conceal. Behold, all of you have seen it yourselves. Why then have you become altogether vain? It's interesting that that same word vain uh, in the in the Greek translation in the Greek Septuagint of the Old Testament is the same word that Paul uses in Romans one, where it says they have become vain in their imaginations. The very passage we were talking about. Job says that I'll teach you. You know, Job promises not to withhold what he knows about God, about the Almighty. They have rejected the truth of the true God, and Job's going to instruct them. You know, Job's going to teach them the fate uh, of those who of uh, those who oppress uh, the the righteous. Verse thirteen says, "This is the portion of a wicked man with God, and the heritage." that oppressors receive from the Almighty. Notice the change that we've seen from the beginning of the book until now. Uh, Job's friends have been the ones uh, accusing Job of wickedness, accusing Job of unrighteousness, accusing Job of hiding some secret sin. And what they've been doing by misrepresenting God is they've been oppressing Job and causing even more suffering. And so now Job is turning the tables on them and he's saying, look, I'm going to show you what the oppressors of God are going to receive from the Almighty. And so Job, uh, he's going to teach them that the portion, you know, what God will give the portion of the wicked. And so he says, um, he says that, uh, well, before we get into that, we need to make sure that we understand that Job is talking about the way that they have treated him as a suffering person. He's the one that is being oppressed. Uh, these counselors have added, um, the weight of suffering on top of the suffering Job was already going through. Uh, not only was Job suffering, uh, and he didn't understand why, but these counselors had come and they had added uh, righteous rules. They had added uh, the dominion of the law on top of what uh, Job was going through. So um, basically they were saying, Job, this is all your fault. You know, this is all your fault that you've uh, going through this, and and uh, God wouldn't have allowed this if you hadn't brought it on yourself. And if you want to get out of this mud pit, then you're going to have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps, and you're going to have to just come on and do it. And of course, Job, uh, unable, unable to let go of his faith, unable to let go of what God has told him, uh, was unable to do that. So it just added more oppression upon him. So Job's going to illustrate the fate of these oppressors. Uh, for the rest of uh, this chapter. And so we're going to go through these rather quickly and we'll read these. It says that uh, first in verse 14 and 15, the fate of the oppressors, their families will be destroyed. Uh, it says in verse uh, 14 and 15, if his children are multiplied, it's for the sword and his descendants have not enough bread. Those who survive him, the pestilence buries and his widows do not weep. His uh, He's telling them, you know, your kids are going to be multiplied just so they can go to the sword. Uh, and they're going to go hungry. And even those who survive the sword and have survived the hunger, they're going to be stricken with pestilence. And, and your widows won't even weep for you. And so Job is... He's given a little taste... Given them a taste of their own medicine, basically. They have told him all about how uh, 
the wicked people are going to suffer and Job you're wicked and you must you know be wicked because you're doing all this suffering and Job is turning the tables on them telling them no the the ones who oppress God's people the ones who mistreat and mislead God's people these are the ones God is going to come down to I think of the uh, what comes to my mind is the words of Jesus when he said if you it would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and cast into the deepest sea than to lead one of these little ones astray keep one of these little ones uh, from coming to me or offend one of these little ones uh, verse 16 17 the righteous will receive the oppressor's wealth he says though he heap up silver like dust and pile up clothing like clay he may pile it up but the righteous will wear it and the innocent will divide will will, will divide the silver so that's uh pretty well you you can see the fact that uh uh, there's coming a day when all things will be made right, when the oppressors of God's people will uh, will pay for the oppression that they've done, or they will call out to a holy God and Christ will pay for their sin just like he paid for our sin. I, I want to make sure that you understand that uh, there's an us versus them mentality going on here because Job has, uh, Job has suffered... Uh, about all he's going to suffer, he's. Uh, I can. I can see him getting very, very upset with, uh, with with these guys. But we need to realize that uh, more often than not, if I'm going to interject myself into this story, uh, I'm probably going to end up being one of the friends more often than I'm going to be the righteous Job. If we're honest, that's um, you know we are. Uh, a selfish people we're sinful people and it's only by god's grace that we come to to know him it's only by god's grace that we come to walk in his ways uh and, and as we learn we grow and we become more like christ but um i can see myself and some of these friends as they uh you know have tried to uh counsel people and to help them to get over their suffering without understanding the fact that you know sometimes suffering is just because we live in this this fallen world and i believe job is not talking basically about the guy the the uh people who sin or people who are unrighteous job has changed the subject not from uh the 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 friends were saying job if you sin if you're unrighteous this is what's going to happen job has changed um, he's changed the standard to saying, no, more likely, if you oppress God's people, if you, if you, um, if you pile suffering on top of the sufferer, you know, God is going to take a great offense with that. Jesus didn't pile suffering onto the sufferer. He came with compassion and he came with love and he came with those things and so jesus was always stern with the religious uh crowd those who did not believe that they needed uh help being righteous with god but for those who were broken those who were sick those who were suffering those who were uh at the bottom of the barrel of their life jesus came and he helped them up he didn't heal everybody that needed healing in first century palestine uh, he did heal quite a few people, but there were still sick people after Jesus had ascended and Paul and Peter were walking around in the temple. There were there were still sick people. So uh, what that tells me, what that tells me is that Jesus came 
to show us what we must do. He said, the poor will always be with you. And we must be compassionate and loving, but yet not withhold truth from them either. And so uh, what Job is saying here, what Job is doing is he's pointing out uh, that God will take a stern hand with those who mistreat, mislead, and oppress his people. And we'll see that at the end of the book. God is going to come and he's really going to chastise these friends for what they've for what they've done. Verse 18 says, he builds his house. He's talking about the oppressors of God's people. He builds his house like a moth, like a booth that a watchman makes. He goes to bed rich, but will do so no more. He opens his eyes and his wealth his wealth is gone. The oppressors, they don't have, oppressors of God's people don't have security in earthly things. See, that is the key that is going on with his friends. They have put their security in earthly things. They have put their stock in earthly things. They're trying to counsel Job in order to get him back uh, to prosperity and out of the mire of poverty, out of the mire of, you know, uh, the 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 business that he lost, the the family that he lost, and the reality is that when you put your faith in those things, Job refuses. Job ref- outwardly refuses to go along with their system just so he can get his stuff back. Uh, he's telling his oppressors here that you're putting your faith, you're putting all of your security in these things, but don't you know you'll go to bed rich, you open your eyes and poof, it'll be gone. Your wealth is gone. You, you, you don't have a leg to stand on. What you don't, what you are trying to tell me to put my faith and trust in is something that cannot last and will not last. And so he's telling them that the oppressors of God's people, the the misleaders of God's people, they uh, they're going to put their hope in. Uh, earthly things, and those earthly things will always fail them. Uh, verse 20 says, <clears throat> it says, terrors overtake him like a flood, and in the night a whirlwind carries him off. Um, 21 says, the east wind lifts him up and he's gone. It sweeps him out of his place. Uh, they'll be removed from their place. Terrors overtake them and carry them off. Uh, they cannot put their stock in anything other than God. And if you do, you will be swept away with the tide. Uh, so many times we see this in, in people's lives. They, they, uh, you know, think about what is something that you need in life in order to be happy? Uh, whatever it may be. I mean, if your house blew down today, could you be happy? Now, I'm not saying you wouldn't grieve and you wouldn't be upset and all those things, but could you, could you make it through? Could you make it through that tragedy and live a life of happiness afterward? Could you come back from that? If your children were taken, like Job's children were taken, could you make it through? Could you, could you, could you do that? What is it, is there, what is it in your life that you cannot live without? Whatever that is, if it's something other than God, it's idolatry. And it will never, ever sustain you. It will never, ever keep you rooted and grounded in joy and in hope. It will always, it will always carry you off wherever it takes you. And it will always be swept away as if by the east wind. And finally, the oppressors are going to be mocked because of the destruction that they endure in twenty twenty two. It says it is talking about the east. The east wind. It hurls at him without pity. He flees from it, its power in headlong flight. It claps its hands at him and hisses at him from its place. 
Tragedy will have no pity on them. They'll run from it, uh, the, but it's going to mock them. It's going to, uh, it's going to hiss at them. It's, it's going to do to them the exact same thing that it has done to Job. Uh, Job is a righteous man suffering. He's a righteous man going through all these things. And these men uh, are trying to help him, but they're going about it by misrepresenting God and offer him, offering him a worldview that cannot hold water, that's more oppressive than it is freeing. They should come, they should have come in compassion, they should have come in love, they should have come uh, and suffered with him and helped him through his suffering. Uh, when you come to the sufferer and you say, this is why God is allowing suffering in your life, uh, you are walking on very dangerous ground. Because that we don't know why God has allowed suffering. Could it be sin? It's possible. Could be. Uh, could it be that God is trying to teach you something and work things for your good? Yes, it could be. It's possible. We just simply don't have, as created beings, don't have the information. But Job tells him this. It's not the, it's not the person who suffers. It's not the person who suffers that's going to experience all these horrible things. And, and these things that Job's are, Job is talking about here in chapter 27, uh, he's basically taking from all the things that they have said. They have uh, one by one told him that this is what the wicked man will experience. Job takes all that as he's summing up uh, all their teaching and he's telling them this is what, this is what God's going to do. It's not about the man who's going through suffering that's going to be experiencing all these things. It's not about the man who uh, you think must have done something wrong in order for him to experience the suffering. The reality is, it's the ones who oppress God's people, the ones who misinform, mislead God's people, the one who misrepresents God, the one who tells people going through suffering lies about God's nature, even if they're inadvertent, uh, these are the men who putting their faith in other things. They're putting their faith in uh, their house, which, you know, like a moth uh, that, that will be swept away. They they put their faith in their riches and they'll go to bed rich. And, and when you open your eyes, your wealth is gone. They're, they put their faith in their satisfaction in life. and But, but terrors are going to overtake them like a flood in the night. A whirlwind carries them off. Job is telling them all these things. And what it's boiling down to is that Job has put his faith in the word of God. God has specifically commanded uh, that if they would come and do these sacrifices in faith with a repentant heart that God would cover their sin as they, those sacrifices pointed toward the coming of Christ who would make the ultimate once for all sacrifices. That's where he's putting his trust and he will not let go of that integrity. Uh, the counselors, on the other hand, have put their faith, their trust, uh, their hope in all of these worldly things. And what they're doing is counseling Job. It's kind of a pay-to-play system. If you'll just work, if you'll just do right, if you'll just do what you're supposed to do, God will give you all this stuff back. They're putting their faith in their houses and their riches and their comfort and all those things. And so... What Job is letting them know is, no, sir, it, it's, not just, it's not just the wicked man that's going to lose all these things. It's not just the man who is suffering uh, that you assume uh, must be going through all these things. 
uh, the reality is that those who put their trust in all these things will be disappointed. They will be swept away. They will be, you know, they will have this stuff taken from them. Not because, oh, God's punishing you. Not because, oh, here comes the, the wrath and fire. But these things cannot sustain they they are temporary things and they will never ever last and so job is going to continue in chapter 28 28 is going to be kind of an excursus about about wisdom it's kind of a it's kind of a dividing chapter that that's you know culminating in the end of the book uh but it's going to it's it's like a poem about wisdom it's like a uh, and we'll see that next time. But here, before we get into that and talk about wisdom and true wisdom before God, uh, Job wants these guys to know, look, you know, you guys are oppressing God's people. You are maligning and mistreating God's people. Job is talking about himself. The ones who are suffering, uh, you are you are holding them to a standard that is can only end in despair depression and oppression and god's going to hold you accountable for this when you put your trust and your faith in these things that pass away and that cannot last uh, they are going to be swept away and you with them